went to Horror Culture and Shovel and showed this is all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And first came the Beast of Bunny, then came the town that cancelled Christmas, and I think we have a new life for the podcast. <laughs> You've been a bit harsh. Mm. Bit, a little bit harsh. Just a little bit. Yeah. We're talking about Ready to Rumble from 2000. <clears throat> but before we get into it, um, I haven't got a lot of uh, of the fan comments this week, but we've got a very special one because Rick on Facebook shared our podcast with the writer of Aquanoids, and apparently he thought it was hilarious, <laughs> which is insane and, and great. I mean, you know, obviously we trash a lot of films on here, and if you've listened to our podcast episode where we're trashing... Your film and you find it hilarious, then that's great. <laughs> yeah, I'd just like to apologise if you're uh, <laughs> listening to the uh, next episode. <laughs> no, what a what a great sport. That's that's really great. Uh, and thanks to Rick, uh, Rick Mylan for sharing that. Um, also, Horridors on Instagram said she's literally just watched Ready to Rumble and she hasn't stopped singing uh, Jimmy King's song since. <laughs> Have you? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you're great, Horridors. We hope you've uh, got this shit song out of your head. Um, yeah, if you if you want to write into us about this film, if you've seen Ready to Rumble and you like it somehow, uh, we're Horrorcore Trash Over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. But sadly for now, we have to talk about Ready to Rumble. Yeah, a little bit backstory. So, coming up yeah, this please. weekend is WrestleMania. Um, it's the biggest wrestling show of the year. Uh, like last year, this year will be over two nights as well. Uh, every wrestling fan looks forward to WrestleMania. It's the show of shows. And, um, so I thought we could do a little, uh, WrestleMania-themed podcast episode. Uh, my initial idea was to look at the film career of Hulk Hogan. Um, but I'm glad we didn't. Because we don't like Hulk Hogan anymore. Um, so I thought, ready to rumble. Hadn't seen it before. Heard of it. Knew of it. Knew the story surrounding it. Within WCW. And uh, I, I was always a WWE fan growing up. So I only watched a little bit of WCW. So I wasn't a fan of WCW around this time. Um, so I just never watched it, and you know I was I was all WWE or WWF at the time. Um, so I thought, let's give it a go, you know. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> it's I mean it's got mixed reviews. Has it? Yeah. Well, I mean it's not. I mean in terms of IMDb, it's it's in the low fives, which isn't a great score, but you know it's not. Twos or threes. This was uh, honestly a painful experience to sit through. It's very two thousand in its humour. Very. It's it's honestly one of the, the the least funniest comedies I've ever seen. I didn't laugh once. There wasn't there wasn't a single thing in this film that was funny, and the acting was abysmal. Um, I've get, grown a new hatred for David Arquette. Um, I've always liked David Arquette. I've always liked Dewey, uh, his character in Scream, but now I just. It, he was just acting like Adam Sandler for the whole film. It's a fucking nightmare. It's that immature humour that was so prevalent at the time. Who it? the fuck ever found this funny? I, I really don't get it. 
Directed by uh, Brain Robbins. <laughs> have, you got that down? have you got IMDb? Uh, is his name actually Brain? I think you've missed. I think I've missed mis- the name Brian. Brian. <laughs> um, just give me a second. I, I think yeah, it, it may have been a mistake. Um, uh, Ready to Rumble was directed by Brian Robbins. Brian Robbins. Not Brain Robbins. Certainly not. How, how um, professional of he, this. Well, I mean, speaking of unprofessional, Type directed one. by Brian Robbins. Uh, director of Good Burger, Varsity Blues, Hardball, The Perfect Score, The Shaggy Dog, Norbit, and Meet Dave. Um, sadly, I've been unfortunate enough to watch Norbit and Meet Dave, not through my own choice. Um... And I can confirm that Ready to Rumble is not even this guy's worst film. <laughs> so I have no intentions of watching anything else he's made. I've heard of Varsity Blues, but... You know, I heard of Good Burger. I have, yeah. It rings a bell. The Keenan and Cal film. Uh, is it Keenan and Cal? Keenan and Cal. Oh my Cal, God, really? Good Burger. So you're definitely going to be seeing another one of his films. Great. And I've never seen Varsity Blues. So it's one of those late 90s teen comedy drama films um and i think it was um not featured what's the, what's the word i'm looking for not another teen movie okay um parody parodied thank you that's the word i was looking for it was parodied in um not another teen movie you know the whole whipped cream scene mm-hmm. apparently that was in varsity Blue. okay it doesn't bode well for Varsity Blues. No. Well, this was made on a budget of $24 million and it made just over $12 million worldwide. So, uh, yeah, it was a bomb. Yeah, big, big old flop. Getting into the trivia, around the time of this movie's release, David Arquette made a string of appearances on WCW television. Uh, in lieu of spending any of the money paid to him from WCW, David instead chose to give all of his WCW earnings... To the family of deceased wrestler Brian uh, Pillman. Yes, yes. So Brian Pillman, I think he died in ninety eight or ninety nine. So that was that was a nice thing that David Arquette did. Yeah, I'm sure he's a great person. Um, You know, great person. Terrible actor in this film. Um, Martin Lando's character is based upon legendary wrestling coach Stu Hart. Uh, Hart was almost elderly, but still strong and more skilled than people at a fraction his age, as Lando's character is. Yes, yeah, so Stu Hart was um, Bret Hart and Owen Hart's father. Um, so he um, had a wrestling school in Canada, and he was well known for being an elderly guy that could still throw down with, with uh, the greats. Yeah, next up I have a bit of a trivia about David Arquette's involvement with WCW, um, but I'm sure you uh, will know this off the top of your head. Um, yeah, so the, the whole idea of WCW producing this film was to give themselves a bit of mainstream credibility and to get some, you know, advertisement out there to advertise the product of WCW um, to the, the Hollywood sort of types. Um, so they produced this film, uh, WCW at the time in 99-2000 were really struggling, like really struggling. The product wasn't great. It was really bad. It was being beaten in the ratings by uh, Monday Night Raw 
the, the WWE show. Glad to clear that one up. By um, <laughs> quite a margin. So I, I'm not going to get into the Monday Night uh, Wars. But essentially, WCW had been winning the Monday Night Wars for many years. Oh, you said Monday Night Raw. Uh, no, Mon- no, Monday Night Wars mm-hmm. was Monday Night Nitro. Yeah. Being on at the same time as Monday Night Raw. Oh, okay. So the war was the battle for the ratings each week, which Nitro won for quite a long time. It had quite the streak. Um, but then by 99-2000, when they produced this film, they were in dire straits. And the product was, by all means, awful. Um, with with a few standouts, but generally conceived to be quite shit. Um, so this was WCW's last last ditch attempt at finding an audience in those Monday Night Wars. Yeah, and does that make any sense to you whatsoever? Um, yeah, so yeah, and uh, <laughs> not of course David Arquette was given the WCW. Yes, so two weeks after the premiere of this film, and I don't know why they still did it. I don't know why they did it in the first place, or even had the idea to do it in the first place. Um, But two weeks after the premiere of this film, and it was a big flop, you know, it was flopping, uh, they decided that they would give David Arquette the World Heavyweight Championship uh, on an episode of not even Monday Night Nitro on Funda, which was a Thursday night, I think. Um, so I don't know why they were trying to get the ratings by having David Arquette win the title on a, a, a non-Monday show. Um, but yeah, um, so David Arquette, not a trained wrestler, a wrestling fan, but not a trained wrestler, not the biggest, bulkiest guy, is he? No. Um, had really no wrestling training whatsoever, won their biggest championship on, you know, um... Funda, um, which was ridiculed heavily um, by many within sort of the wrestling business, got them a little smidge of um, promotion in sort of non-wrestling circles, but it didn't really do that much to help them. Um, and sort of, you know, it wasn't long afterwards that uh, Vince McMahon ended up buying WCW, so WCW was kaput uh, completely. Um, but now it's seen as being a terrible idea and just awful TV and a real slap in the face to a lot of wrestlers who had sort of sacrificed a lot over the years and hadn't been given that opportunity to win the biggest title. Um, and this guy just came along, did, did a film that flopped <laughs> and got the title. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the... that's kind of the story surrounding this film. Yeah. Um, so it's very much a wrestling film and a, a lot of what goes on in the film, if you're not a wrestling fan, you, you will struggle with. Well, I mean, there's a lot of other things to struggle with in yeah, the film no, as well. <laughs> Oliver Platt accidentally struck Randy Savage in the face during the filming of a fantasy scene. Uh, the footage of the incident, which was shot over Savage's shoulder, can be seen in a blooper reel shown during the closing credits. Because we're in 2000, so we obviously need a blooper reel during the credits. Of course. 
The way Jimmy King lost the title when he was supposed to have won is a spoof for the infamous Montreal Screwjob back at the WWF Survivor Series, in which Bret Hart was supposed to have retained the title from Shawn Michaels, but was heavily conspired against and lost in an unscripted manner. Yeah, so a little bit some more wrestling history for you now. Um, so this is clearly a dig at WWE. Uh, the big thing that happened in 1997 was uh, Bret Hart was leaving as he was the champion in WWE and he was leaving to go to WCW. Um, he was reluctant to drop the title to Shawn Michaels. So uh, Vince McMahon and others conspired to create a, a finish that Bret Hart was aware of and for him to lose the title. Um, it was a massive deal at the time. Um, it's in wrestling, there's kayfabe and then there's shoot. So kayfabe is the scripted element on TV. Um, so who wins the matches, what moves are going to be done, the storylines, that's kayfabe. Whereas shoot is the real life. So if someone was to shoot wrestle, it would be to actually hit someone for real. Um, and then it blurred the lines between the two um, and then sort of it, it really paved the way for uh, the Attitude Era, which is when WWE Raw started winning in the uh, so th in the ratings. So I think there was a little bitterness there and uh, they, they took a little shot at WWE for that one. Uh, there are plans to do a sequel which never materialised, thank God. <laughs> Rose McGowan admitted she hated this movie and didn't want to be in it eventually giving in after throwing the scripts in the trash three times yeah Rose McGowan really gets uh, the bad side of things in this film she, she's yeah pretty much non-existent uh, really to be fair she's thrown if she's only thrown her part of the script away then she pretty much ain't filling the bin no uh, according to an interview he did with You Shoot in 2013 Diamond Dallas Page said that he pitched an alternate ending to uh, Warner Brothers for the film. What would have happened was that after the triple cage match is over and the end credits are just starting to roll, Jimmy King tells Gordy and Sean, um, that it is Gordy, isn't it? Yeah. What a stupid fucking name. Uh, that he would see them at the bar before heading back to his dressing room to get changed, only to see a Diamond Dallas waiting for him. Just as the two wrestlers look like they are going to fight again, they actually hug each other with uh, Diamond Dallas Page forgiving King for throwing him through all the three cages. Then Sean and Gordy enter the dressing room and are shocked to discover that they're friends. Um, Diamond Dallas Page then walks up to the two and says, Boys, welcome to the business. Let's go and have a drink. And they put all the differences aside. Wow, that could have been even worse. <laughs> See, this is this is two thousand. So, really, with the advent of internet, fans were catching on to the fact that wrestling was, you know, a hundred percent scripted. So the moves aren't fake, but the you, you know the the storyline elements and the heels and faces so heels are the bad guys faces are the good guys that's all scripted and um so people were catching on to that and it's it's a weird part of the film um throughout the whole film where no one seems to really understand 
where it's coming from. Like, are you do are you doing this as kayfabe? Are we pretending that wrestling is one hundred percent real, or are we admitting in this film that these storylines are scripted? D- did you get that? Yeah, that it didn't yeah. really know where. Well, it was the only time from. the only time anything like that is mentioned, uh, David Arquette shuts it up by screaming in a person's face. It's true. It's true. <laughs> So getting into the film, two slacker wrestling fans are devastated by the, out, by the ousting of their favourite character by an unscrupulous promoter. Well, that's a lot of uh, big words for a premise for a film that appears as written by <laughs> nine-year-olds. Oh my god, it does. Opening, we get opening titles with pictures of wrestling and narration about how great wrestling is. Yeah, so we get pictures of mainly NWA and WCW wrestlers. So Sting... Goldberg, Bruno Sammartino, and then we've got Andre the Giant in there as well. Um, so you you ain't getting your WWE ones. So you ain't getting Stone Cold or Rock or Undertaker. Um, but yeah, essentially we get a voiceover proclaiming that professional wrestling is the best sport of all time. Don't yeah. We? Um, Sean and Gordy are outside a shop telling kids about wrestling. Uh, when the shop owner gets angry about the little perverts leaving their bikes outside the shop. Why the fuck is he calling a bunch of children little perverts? Because <laughs> it's a 2000 comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he mocks their love for, for Jimmy King. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, Gordy is the character played by David Arquette and Sean is played by... Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn. Um, Scott Kahn. Throughout this entire film, Sean looks like he, he's just got a headache from David Arquette talking. <laughs> he just looks like he's constantly had enough of him, which is understandable. <laughs> so, yeah, so they proclaim that Jimmy King is the people's champion. Uh, I'm pretty sure The Rock would have something to say about that. And that he can raise the dead, to which one of the children says, Can he really raise the dead? Because my dog Skipper is buried beneath my sandbox. So that's pretty much the humour we're getting for the next hour and 40 minutes. Then, in a bizarre series of events, um, in a series of events that really was a great indicator of what was to come from this piece of shit film, Gordy stands up like he's in a trance, enters a shop, and the shopkeeper says, What do you want, boob? (laughs) Yes, boob is used as an insult three times in this film. Uh, Gordy says he wants a purple slush puppy, king size. <sighs> and whilst they're doing this, the camera is right up in both of their faces. Oh, so is, fucking yeah. David Arquette's pulling the stupid faces and it's just unbearable. Um, they both pull stupid faces at each other. Gordy tries to play, uh, tries to pay with uh, a penny short. And the shopkeeper calls him a boob a few more times. Uh, before telling him how Jimmy King is a loser and a sissy in tights and then starts slapping his own head. Yes, to which Gordy then calls him numbnuts and then they start wrestling. Yeah, well, the shopkeeper threatens to open up a can of whoop ass on him. Yes, he does. Um, to which. I'm pretty sure Stone Cold would have something to say about that as well. <laughs> Gordy, Gordy screams, bring it on, and then somehow uh, Randy Savage is in there. Yeah, um, so the store suddenly has ring ropes. So it's still a store, but it has ring ropes around uh, the uh, 
around the outside. Uh, Gordy suplexes the cashier, but then the cashier tags in Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> and Gordy gets a few slaps before Jimmy King then joins in. Uh, the match ends with uh, Gordy pinning the cashier after a double axe handle off the top rope with the Nitro girls dancing in the background. <laughs> oh, and uh, let's not forget, Gordy smashes his head through a fridge for absolutely just... no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it all happened because Gordy had brain freeze. Yeah, so he's had some sort of, um, I don't know, brain freeze... Um, hallucination. Yeah, I am. Um, it's like uh, it's like in The Simpsons when uh, Milhouse and Bart drink the um, all syrup slushies, and then they have like hallucination going around town like they're drunk. Far too much credit. Um, so, Gordy stands up with his hand down the back of his trousers, and Sean says, "Hey, Gordy, why does it look like you have your finger up your butt?" Because I do. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So then Gordy tells the cashier that the drink smells funny and makes him smell his finger as he wafts the drink in his face. <laughs> to which he says, smells like my ass, right? And the shopkeeper thinks it smells like a beer sour ass and gives him a new drink. Yeah, so th- this is pretty much the humour we're getting in this film. That's not even... I, I don't even understand it's how that's funny. Smelly bum humour. Like, I, I, I couldn't, could not comprehend how on earth that's meant to be funny in any way whatsoever. And also, do you know what I don't understand is why so many films insinuate that all butts stink. Yeah. I mean, if you keep it clean, it don't smell. No, no exactly. Uh, Sean is then bent over a cop car by a cop who asks if he has any stuff and grabs his balls and asks what they are. To which Sean says, my nuts. And then the cop says, wouldn't you rather be on the other side of the search? She's like, what, you want me to grab your nuts? Then we get the big reveal, and it's Gordy's dad is yeah. the cop. Well, we find that out after um, Gordy's dad asks Gordy to also bend over the car so we can search him too, because incest is hilarious. Gay incest is funny, you know. Yeah. Yeah? You want to say about <laughs> no. it? No, this is just the humour of the film. <laughs> It's shit. So, Gordy's dad finds a wrestling magazine in his pants and tells him wrestling is fake, to which Gordy screams in his face that wrestling is not fake. See, this is the weird part. So, these two guys, who... I mean, how old are they meant to be? Late 20s? Well, this is what I couldn't figure out for the entire film, because they're treating David Arquette like he's a teenager. Yeah. Well, they both sort of act as if they're, what, 15, 16? Which, if they were, a lot of this would make more sense. But they're grown-ass men. You know, they must be in their late 20s. Yeah, David Arquette does not look like a fucking teenager. No, no. Um, So when he shouts stuff like, it's not fake, Mm. it just makes him, and by proxy, wrestling fans, look like complete dickheads. Because, you know, they're grown-ass men who think that these storylines aren't scripted yeah. for television. It's because people, you know, were starting to, you know, figure it out. It was it was well-known at that time, you know, that wrestling wasn't 100% real. 
Um, so it just, it's that weird thing where if you, if you, you know, these are meant to be our lead characters and they're just so fucking immature that it's hard to relate. It's like, no, you're a dickhead. You know? Yeah. Well, Gordy's dad uh, realises that Gordy wants to be a wrestler and then he mocks him about it because he can't even, exact words, he can't even take his wee-wee out of his pants to take a leak. And then Gordy replies, it's not that I struggle, sometimes I just don't see the point. So you just piss yourself because you don't see the point of taking your dick out. Apparently. <sighs> Gordy's dad tells him how wrestling is for little boys, dick bags and lily pickers. Um, but working for the police force is for men. Yeah. For the first... I don't uh, know what a lily picker is. Well, I mean, I'm sure I could take a guess. The first of two times in this film I get my own worst enemy by lit... <laughs> yeah. Just to remind you that it's set in 2000. <laughs> yes. I ain't complained. I mean, it's a great song, but it's very much... Here we go. This is a 2000 comedy. Of course we've got that song playing. Yeah. Was it featured in American Pie? I feel it was like... It in was, one of the American Pie songs. I swear, films. yeah. It was had to be in one of the American Pie sequels. Um, Sean and Gordy travel to their job, uh, which is cleaning shit from Portaloos, a small funfair. Yeah, so on the way there, Gordy says, my dad sucks, man. To which Sean replies, at least you have one. And it's just, like, really awkward. And it's like, um, so... uh, And uh, the film doesn't deal with this. It just puts it out there um, that his dad died. And doesn't doesn't really delve into it or anything or or how that makes his character who he is. You know what I mean? He's very much it's pushed. Not... He's very much pushed to the back of the film. It's very much a David Arquette show. Yeah. Isn't it? So they're at the country fair and they're cleaning out the portaloos. This is their day job. Uh, two guys come up to them and say, "Hey, shit boys, how's the shit work? Sorry about the mess in there. My aim's a little off." What a fucking aim? Are you shitting standing <laughs> yeah, up? No, yeah. So, as if. Um, as if everything you've heard so far wasn't enough to prove that it's in the year 2000, we now have toilet humour too. We do. And th- this is, there's a lot of poo humour throughout the whole film. Mm. So, Sean, they've finished, they've finished um, vacuuming all the poo out of the port but Sean has had too many coffees that day and has to go for a shit himself. Um, he says to Gordy, don't do it. Don't do it. If you do it, then, um, uh, what's his name? Jimmy King is going to lose. It'll be bad luck charm for Jimmy King. To which Gordy's like, no, I'm not going to do it, man. I'm not going to do it. But he has his fingers crossed behind his back. And guess what he does? He does it. So while Sean's having a shit, and he's got a newspaper from somewhere, I don't know where he got yeah. it from, um, Gordy starts vacuuming the portaloo. So Sean's ass is being sucked into the toilet and he can't move and toilet paper's flying everywhere. Yeah, and then they have a wrestle outside. Yeah, so Sean's fuming, so he gives Gordy a suplex outside the portaloos um for revenge. Um Yeah, and, and, and I, I don't mean to spoil an upcoming scene, but it's not long after this when Sean refers to something as being gay yeah. uh, in a negative way. I hate to break it to you boys, but having a wrestle outside Portaloos after someone just sucked your ass with a vacuum is kind of gay. Yeah. 
So they go to a takeaway drive-through where Gordy tells Brittany, the person working there, that Sean wants Brittany's taco with cheese all over and Brittany's bare ass buffet because this film despises women. <laughs> but Brittany is not sold and she thinks they're both losers and she swaps with Wendy. Now, Wendy's problem is that she's uh, a girl. Um, who doesn't fit a certain type in a late 90s, early 2000s comedy. Yeah. Um, so Wendy is a wrestling fan and therefore to Sean, Brittany is his dream girl um, because Wendy is like one of the guys which is gay. Yeah. Yeah, so Sean, who all, who just referred to dating a tomboy as gay, yeah. shows Gordy his very gay wristband that says WWKD and explains that it stands for What Would King Do? And in another gay move, he made two and gives one to Gordy and he thinks that rocks so hard. Yeah. Like, seriously, a, a lot of what happens in this film, uh, you, you can tell there's, there's a lot of homophobic humour here and, you know, they hate gay people just as much as they hate women. But a lot of others in this film is very gay. See, the thing is, I, I'm, a, I'm a wrestling fan. And I have been for decades now. I, I love wrestling. Um, I don't love all of it. But, you know, as, as a whole. Because there's lots of it. I, I love wrestling. And I like watching wrestling. And I like following the wrestlers and the promotions and everything. So, to me, watching this, I just think... Oh, is this what is this what WCW thought wrestling fans were like? Like, is this is this you know? And for me as well as a gay wrestling fan, and there's lots of us. Um, it's it's so insulting to have these wrestling fans constantly make and women. These are our protagonists. Mm. Women to be on their side, constantly making these gay jokes and acting like real immature dickheads. And, and I'm like, is this what they think of us? Yeah, and I think it's it's easy to perceive uh, that a lot of wrestling fans are like that. I mean, especially, you know, my view of wrestling is I've always known people like the people in this film too like wrestling until I met you. Well, and, and ah, I say that until I started, you know... Um, Started getting more gay friends and everything. And, and there's a, a massive LGBT following for yeah, wrestling. There really is. And, and that was a real shock to me because I always assumed it was people like this. And there's loads of like uh, gay promotions as well. Mm. There's, there's loads out there for an LGBT um, wrestling fan. Um, and it, it ain't this. <laughs> no. No, it, <laughs> it certainly This film does this. not want you to think that. No. Uh, it even has fucking Kid Rock on the soundtrack at some it point. Does, and that's homophobic. <laughs> Um, the boys speak to the old lady from The Wedding Singer uh, who thinks Jimmy King is going to bitch slap Diamond Dallas. Now, this is another trope amongst comedies from back in the day. And where, it's always this actress. And it's always this actress. That if you have an old lady and she says something a bit racy, she says a swear word or you know, she says bitch or whatever, that's meant to be hilarious. Yeah, it's automatically a thousand times... Funnier, yeah, because an old lady's doing it, which works for Betty White. Let's let's give yeah. some, you know, and Ellen Alberti Dow, uh, uh, excuse me, Ellen Albertini Dow, 
who plays the old lady in every single late 90s, early 2000s yeah. comedy, does her job well, you yeah. know? She's, she's I mean, great. She, she started her career late, didn't she? Yeah, very late. Um, yeah, very late. And she got a lot of roles doing the same thing. She's, she's really great in Wedding Singer. Um, I thought she was funny in Sister Act, but she, she just plays a singing nun, but it's her facial expression. Yeah. She, she's great. Um, but then she asked them to get her a T-shirt, a really tight one. And Gordy tells her that's really gross because, ill an old person in a tight T-shirt. I know, yeah. Gordy goes home and we get a really boring, really unfunny scene of his family dressed like cops and talking about cop stuff because they love ramming this cop joke down your throat. Yes, I did say cop. In cop, Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so his sister shot her first criminal that day. They were all very proud. And they tell Gordy he better be back by 11 as he has a police seminar the next day. Um, so they go to the wrestling event. Uh, we see a little bit of in-ring action. Excuse uh, me. In-ring action. That's what they call it, Gary. Um, the It's Rey Mysterio versus Billy Kidman. And uh, it's not... The thing is, I could forgive a lot in this film if the wrestling action was great. Um, but, like, in this section, all we get is a Hurricane Rana and a pin. It's not okay. You we, know? We literally get a scene where two people just punch each other continuously. And I know you've shown me enough wrestling matches to know that that's really not what it looks like. Yeah. Um... The boys have been given shit seats, and apparently it was uh, Billy who got them the seats, but they can't be mad at him because he le- he lost his left nut and arm. And Sean asks, if you have one left, is it still your left nut? Yeah. <laughs> they then get the Nitro Girls. So the Nitro Girls were... And I think this is probably why I struggled a lot with WCW, is that their female representation was quite dire uh, through most of it. Um, So the only real female, regular female representation they had was a couple of wrestlers, uh, a couple of managers, and the Nitro Girls. And the Nitro Girls just kind of came out and danced. Uh, they were like cheerleaders. Um, so in this case, we have the Nitro girls come out to do a dance and they're headed by Rose McGowan. Yeah. Um... Which is kind of weird. I mean, she was front and centre, so I assumed she was the head of the Nitro girls. But then later on in the film, she's told that she's going to become the head of the Nitro girls. Yeah. I thought uh, that was weird. Again, you know, before I knew more about uh, what wrestling is now, this is, again, how I assumed women were treated within wrestling. And it was. It was. Um, female representation in wrestling has come a long way. Still got further to go, let's be honest. Um, but it has come a long way. This, in terms of wrestling... Uh, was around the time of evening gown matches, bra and panties matches, uh, you know, women who had never wrestled being put into the ring and having to put on matches and are clearly struggling. And, and they were just there for a bit of um, TNA, really. Um, so this film, you know, it's 
kind of represents how women were treated in wrestling at the time. Um, because there's barely any representation. The representation that there is isn't great. Um, and pretty much all the women in this film, including the old lady, um, is quite scantily clad at times. Yeah. I think this sequence of the little bit of wrestling, then making jokes about balls, and then these girls dancing to Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue pretty much sums up the entire film. You literally just need to watch this sequence and you've seen the whole film. That's that's exactly what this film is. Yeah. And it, 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 it it's a difficult one because that's kind of what wrestling <laughs> was like. It was quite immature at the time. And it still can, can be now. But it's, to, to me, and... I don't feel like I need to defend wrestling, but I will. It's for me. It's it's kind of a, a soap opera. It's exaggerated. It's very over the top. It's ridiculous, um, but it's fun. And this film isn't fun because it's stupid. Yeah. You know, there's no heart to it. Yeah, so the match begins and we get the old lady again. She's at home telling Diamond Dallas to take it like the punk bitch that he is. Jimmy King talks about taking Diamond Dallas down to his dungeon and making him his puppet-made bitch before doing a really shit rap. Oh, did you miss the bit backstage? Uh, maybe. Um, okay, so there was a little bit before the main event. So the main event is... Uh, Diamond Dallas Page versus Jimmy King. Uh, but there's a bit backstage where the um, Titus Sinclair, who was like the, the booker for matches. So the booker is the person um, who basically says what's going to happen. You know, is the title going to change? Um, you're going to go, what, 10, 15 minutes? You know, all that business. So he's the person is in charge of the matches. So he tells Diamond Dallas Page in front of Goldberg that King will be winning that evening, but then takes Diamond Dallas Page aside and then tells him that t- tonight is um, Page's night and he's going to be winning the title. Um, so obviously there's your Montreal screw job, uh, screw job there. Yeah, on stage, um, Sinclair taunts uh, Jimmy a bit before he starts fighting uh, with Diamond Dallas Page. And uh, they have a really shit wrestling match, which involves punches being exchanged and Jimmy King being thrown onto a table. Yeah, so this is very over the top, very exaggerated. Uh, What I was very confused by is Jimmy's cutting a promo and we get Kurt Hennig... Conan and Perry Saturn in the ring at the same time for some reason. They haven't had any introductions. And then when the match starts, they disappear. So I don't know why they're there, like the three the three guys. Um, yeah. Um, Jimmy, a bunch of other wrestlers come in after, I don't know. Did you not enjoy Jimmy's incoherent rap uh, that the audience was absolutely living for? Yeah, yeah, that was something. <laughs> Then Titus Sinclair approaches and uh, he appears in the ring and suggests that this will be King's last match. So he actually suggests that this is... Like, he tells King yeah. that this, oh, I'm going to miss you when you're gone. Like, okay. Um, yeah, so the match begins uh, and then call moves to each other very loudly. 
So in a wrestling match, um, they the, the wrestlers will speak to each other and say, we're going to go for this move, you do that move, you reverse this, that and the other. So they're calling these moves, but really loudly, mm. <laughs> like clothesline, over the top rope. It's <laughs> not how it works. Yeah, a bunch of other wrestlers come in after this and start uh, kicking Jimmy King on the floor whilst Gordy, throughout this entire thing, um, just screams and pulls stupid faces whilst Sean just looks bored out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so other wrestlers, and they're both faces and heels, so, so uh, storyline-wise, they would have been with Diamond Dallas Page and King, so on either side. Um, but then they all decide to turn on Jimmy King. They throw referee Charles Robinson out the ring. And then a four-way splash off the top rope um, as Geordie and Sean lose their shit. Geordie's like, no one can survive that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you call him Geordie. It's Gordy. Gordy, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Sean and Gordy. I'm going to keep... I'm probably going to keep calling him Geordie because it's Sean and Gordy. So I'm going to... Um, referee Charles Robinson is brought back in for the pin and Titus declares that Jimmy King will never wrestle for the WCW Championship again. Uh, Gordy and Sean are driving home from the event uh, in their truck and they're just crying, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they're trying to hold back the tears because they're manly men. Yeah, they blame it on allergies. Just they like blame Tracy it on Beaker. allergies. Um, just like Tracy B. That's, that's what she does. Um, but then they just let they're just like no I'm crying man I'm crying I don't care. Um, in their tears, uh, they crash into is it into a tree or something. They crash yeah. into something. They crash the truck, and shit is thrown all over the road. Uh, they both admit that they actually kind of like the smell of shit. Now they've gotten used to it for their work. Um, is it Sean that says it smells like French toast? Oh, Gordy. Gordy says it smells like French toast, to which Sean replies, it's like French toast dipped in shit. So, <laughs> the clear-up's happening, um, and another lorry comes along out of nowhere and crashes into the truck, sending shit all over Sean and Geordie, and then because the truck was delivering toilet paper, toilet paper then flies over the two. And Sean says, or, or Gordy, I don't care, says, what are the odds of that? Completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. They then talk about... Wait, is this, is this kind of shit jokes? Yeah. We, do we need another one? They talk about how shit their lives are now because they have no job and uh, Jimmy King's out of the WCW. Yeah, so they blame their bad luck on Jimmy King losing the title. Which is so weird. It's so weird. Really weird. That this is how they paint wrestling fans. Mm. Um, Gordy thinks it is a sign though. And that they need to fight to make things right. They decide that they need to find the king by travelling to Atlanta. Yeah, they, they go hitchhike him. And get picked up by a van full of nuns. Who all start singing some Top Jesus anthems. Followed by Running With The Devil by Van Halen. It's a great hilarity. Great hilarity. Nun singing Van Halen, Running With The Devil. Mm. Oh my God. Um, so they're dropped off in Atlanta by the nuns. And Sean asks Gordy 
if he was the one farting in the van. Gordy says, no, it wasn't me. Sean says, no, it wasn't me either. To which Gordy says, farting nuns. I don't get the joke. Is it a play on the flying nun? No, I think they just said farting nuns and thought it was funny. Farting nuns. So, um, the Shermanator from American Pie is in this. I only have him down as Shermanator. Playing a character <laughs> called Isaac. Poor um, bastard typecast. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was yeah. definitely typecast. Yeah. Um, he's playing a Jimmy King arcade game and tells Gordy, who is waiting to play next, that puking is for pussies. His dad, t- his dad told him that. Um, but Gordy tells him he pukes all the time and he's not a pussy. Okay. Um, Sean and Gordy ask right. Isaac if he can find the king, to which he tells them he can find anyone on the net. The net. On the net. So... He invites them back to his home. Yeah, he invites <laughs> them back to his home. Um, again, I've never seen that really visually represents what this uh, film is going for. Um, Isaac searches on his very 2000 computer, whilst Gordy pretends that two action figures are having anal sex. Yes, and what's Sean doing in the background, Gary? Um, to great hilarity, Sean is singing and dancing to Baby One More Time by Britney Spears because a straight man enjoying Britney Spears is hilarious. Yes, so the Shermanator manages to find the address... On a website called Hacker's Planet. Hacker's Planet for Jimmy King's castle, as they call it. Uh, they go there, but it's actually just a run-down shack. Uh, they knock on the door, and who answers the door? It's Aunt Hilda it from is. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Poor thing. Why is her talents getting wasted on this shit film? Um, so yeah, it's Caroline Ray, and she plays Jimmy's wife, or ex-wife. Yeah, Gina King. You, what? Gina King. Oh, okay. I thought you said Regina King. There's a much better Regina King going around. Certainly not. Um, She says he hasn't been home for two years and all she has left of him is an itchy crotch. Yeah, she has crabs. Have you ever seen crabs close up? Yeah. That's that. So she's just basically gone on a rant about how he left, hasn't seen her, hasn't seen the kids, hasn't paid any money towards the kids... Um, her son has um, like fucked up teeth uh, because she can't pay the dentist. Um, but she can afford that eyeshadow. Yeah. <laughs> and she's using a lot of it. If she cut down a little bit, she might be able to afford some braces for her son. <laughs> yeah. She tells them to tell Jimmy that she hopes his diddly, which I assume is his penis, turns black and falls in the crapper. They then speak to Jimmy's son, who uh, tells them that he needs his dad to pay for his braces. And when we see his braces, it it literally just looks like the filmmakers have just put tinfoil. Well, it is. I think it is, actually. Yeah, it's just metal in his mouth. Uh, What's hilarious about his son is that we're introduced to him bent over and his arse cracks hanging out. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) So they find this pair. Uh, they find Jimmy's parents, who are basically like Jimmy's a piece of shit, and uh, they disagree. Um, and then they tell him to t- they tell them to tell Jimmy that he's a big shit. 
Yes, we get more research from... Oh, where, what did you just say? His parents, Jimmy's parents. Oh, yeah, excuse me, of course. Yeah, Isaac continues to help Sean and Gordy over the phone until his dad tells him that yakking on the phone is for pussies. Yeah, so with with the King's parents, um, they call him a loser and a big shit and, and all that. Uh, to which Sean suggests that it can't be true because in King's autobiography... Um, he said that, you know, he did all this, that and the other, had, you know, looked after his kids, um, especially after his dad died in a plane accident. <laughs> Even though the dad's right there, that's yeah. the joke, that's the joke, Gary, that's the joke. I, I get Do you it. find it funny? No. That's the joke. Sean and Gordy find Jimmy Kong and are disgusted to find him Jimmy wearing... Jimmy King. <laughs> Jimmy Why the Kong. fuck did I put him down as Jimmy Kong? I'm thinking of Jimmy, film. Jimmy King, uh, and are disgusted to find him wearing a dress. Ugh. Yeah, they turn up at a motorhome and mistake King for a weird lady. Um, I was because he's wearing a dress. Because he's wearing a dress. Yeah. I wasn't getting dressed from that outfit. Yeah, it's a red frilly dress. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just a dressing gown. Um, in ha- hilarity ensues, uh, from Jimmy King being dressed as a woman. Uh, he asks them for money uh, to let them in for five minutes. So they give him $30 yeah. to talk to him for five minutes. Uh, King lies about his wife leaving him, his son being in a wheelchair, and his parents recently dying. Uh, the two bros correct him and offer to go on a beer run for him. Yes, he does explain what happened with Sinclair and his gang of sissies as well. Yeah, so have you, have you, you haven't seen The Wrestler, no. the Aronofsky film. No. Um, so The Wrestler actually deals with something quite similar to this, um, but actually does it properly. Um, the, the only real wrestling film I would ever properly recommend is The Wrestler, which is a great film. Um, it's a very honest film, um, and it kind of touches on this idea of the, you know the wrestlers that put their bodies on the line and once the wrestling's over or, or even sometimes during their careers they can't handle it and they struggle that's the only wrestling film you'd recommend yeah so you wouldn't recommend fighting with my family Ah, oh, fighting with my family. Yes, I would recommend that as well. Yes, please watch that. That my is apologies. don't don't watch this shit. Please go and watch Fighting with My Family instead. That was a fantastic <laughs> yeah. film. Yeah. Um fucking hell, even See No Evil's better than this. So <laughs> about Santa Slay. What do you prefer this or Santa Slay? This. I thought Santa Slay was disgraceful. Anyway, they get the beer <laughs> come on tangents. And uh, King explains that wrestling is just a show. So he's like saying to them, Oi, guys, you know, you know, this isn't real. I'm not actually Jimmy King. This isn't, you know, I am just this kind of loser that lives in a motorhome. Um, he calls wrestling dancing clowns with soap opera and yeah, calls them dumb for thinking it is real and then chucks them out. Sean tells him that they still believe in him and, uh, <laughs> They goad him into beating them up. So uh, he's like, well, I still believe in you. I mean, and um, did he start insulting him or... Well, this is fucking weird. So I mean, goad him into some 
freestyle wrestling. Th- this is really fucking disturbing. So, I mean, not only did they track his family down, I know they did it for the course of the film and the plot and whatever, and this is a comedy, so you can't take it too seriously, but look at this in another context. They've tracked his family down to the point they've even tracked his fucking parents down, called his parents liars to their face, and now they've gone to find him and begged him to fight them. That's fucking weird. Yeah. And they were calling other things gay earlier in the film. Um, but anyway... They... I mean, when I did that with Trish Stratus, <sighs> I had a restraining order well, put against me. He's slightly less gay. <laughs> um, they managed to encourage him back to wrestling. He wrestles them. And then we get My Own Worst Enemy by Lit again. Yes. <sighs> uh, when they go on a road trip. Sean and Gordy take Jimmy to a Diamond Dallas page match in a portaloo. Okay. <laughs> I know you're not a wrestling fan, so let me just... So it's Monday Night Nitro. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. And backstage, Sean and Gordy are delivering a portaloo with the king hiding inside. Um, they watch the Nitro girls getting changed until Sasha, played by Rose McGowan... Ask them what they're doing. So, uh, you missed the most important part out here. What? The fact that Sean and Gordy find a random women's dressing room yes. with women in their underwear and they are perving on them for a while yes. whilst constantly saying, naked, 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 yes. naked. They're not even fucking naked. They're in their underwear, you fucking virgins. The camera's perving on it as well, to be yeah, fair. obviously. Some, some close-ups and such. Uh, Titus and uh, Diamond Dallas Page. I'm going to call him DDP from now Thank on, just you. so you know. Uh, Titus and DDP cut a promo on Jimmy King to the camera. And it's right outside the portaloo. So Jimmy King is furious and proceeds to attack them with a toilet seat. Sean and Gordy beat up Titus while they're, um, until they're broken up by two wrestlers. Uh, Jimmy King pins DDP... But it's not valid and a cage match is scheduled for the title and a million dollars. Party at King's motorhome later on that night and Gordy awkwardly flirts with Sasha. Which for any Scream fans is quite cringy because they played brother and sister in Scream. Yeah. Yeah, Sasha's chatting him up um, and he tells her that he has a poster up in his room. And reenacts the pose by bending over on a car. He then dances with the Nitro girls like a twat. Yeah, so he's clearly going for Crispin Glover-style dancing. Oh, don't insult Crispin Glover like that. Just twatty dancing. Whilst the Nitro girls are ripping off their skirts and doing a choreographed routine to Jungle Boogie. Uh, Gene Oakland, uh, renowned announcer... Uh, and veteran of wrestling, um, held in quite high esteem, asks Jimmy if people think he's sexy. Yeah. Um, the scene ends when Jimmy ends up falling down a manhole. Well, before he does, he downs two shots of something and a glass of egg yolks and then runs down into a manhole. Yes, because he's getting nervous. He was, he was going to run away, wasn't he? Yeah. So the next day, the king explains to the dudes that Sinclair wants him dead. To which the dudes sing a song to motivate Jimmy King. Um, this is the Jimmy King song. I, I don't know how it... 
I know the lyrics, but I, I'm not gonna sing it. Jimmy King is the best wrestler. He's the bestler. Better than all the wrestlers. He's got class. He's really fast. He'll rule our ass. He'll rule that ass. Jimmy, j j j Jimmy King. Genius. <laughs> this obviously causes Jimmy King to run away as it would any normal person. Um, but then they're back together after this. And they take him to see Sal Bandini for some training. Yeah, so Sal Bandini is played by, at that time, Oscar winner Martin Landau. Um, did he take his Oscar away from him after this? No, but it wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't before his Oscar, because he was in... Well, in fairness, Martin Landau, uh, Oscar winner, was also in some real random shit throughout his career. I don't know what he's most famous for. He won the Oscar for Ed Wood, but I don't know what before that he'd be most famous for. Well, I should probably... I mean, it'd be a shame if it's this. It's certainly not this. Um... But yeah, so the the role was originally going to be played by Jack Palance. Uh, so Jack Palance was known as quite a fit older guy. Um, he was quite famous for just doing push-ups whenever and wherever at any age. Um, so that would probably have been a bit more fitting for the role. Uh, but Martin Landau's he's all right. Martin Landau, most famous for Edward... Uh, he was in Crimes and Misdemeanors. He was in North by Northwest. Um, yeah, but he was he was also in some random shit um, during his time. Oh my god, he played J. Howard Marshall in the Anna Nicole biography. Okay, I need to watch that. Okay, sorry, tangent. Anyway. <laughs> Biography, you mean biopic? Same thing, really. Um, yeah, Sal's uh, just finished up training some high school students who walk out all bandaged up. Um, then they, they have a little uh, scrap in the ring, don't they? Him and Jimmy. Yeah, so Sal starts to beat up Jimmy until Jimmy kicks him in the face. Uh, they think he's dead, but Sal is just playing possum. And uh, he kicks Jimmy in the balls. Um, how many times have we seen someone kicked in the balls now in this film? We even get a fucking montage of like the end credits. Yeah, we, yeah, no, that's just Aunt Hilda. Mm. Um, but it feels like a thousand times. So, Geordie goes to Sasha's for a date. Geordie. God, fuck's sake. Geordie goes to Sasha's for a date. I'm going to say David Arquette. Uh, and speaks shit Spanish. She says, are you fluent? He says, no, I'm okay. They have dinner, sat on the floor at a coffee table. He brings us some bananas instead of flowers. Does he? Yeah. I missed that bit. Anyway, they have dinner, sat on the floor at a coffee table, which I felt was quite triggering. Mm. Um, she's got a really nice apartment and... She needs to sit on the floor at a coffee table to eat dinner. Yeah, and for the first... Well, for the second time, actually, the the thing earlier on when they were talking about how liking Wendy would be gay, um, they were both talking with their mouths full at the time, Sean and Gordy, uh, whilst eating burgers. 
Uh, yet again, we get Gordy eating with his mouth full, and it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> uh, eating with his mouth full. Talking with his mouth full, and it's fucking disgusting. He is. He's eating spaghetti. Um, Sasha asks him to show her his moves, to which he proceeds to snap mare her, um, which isn't what she meant. Uh, they take it to the bedroom, where Sasha uh, reveals her secret weapons. Yeah. Yeah, she gets the tits out. Um, well, she just takes the top off, doesn't she? She's got bra on. Gordy, no, she she takes it all off. Oh, does she? Yeah, you don't see it, obviously. Oh, I was going to say. Gordy starts woofing at her, uh, but when she gets her boobs out, he screams foreign objects and proceeds to punch her. So, foreign objects is um, in wrestling when someone brings a weapon into a match when it's not meant to be in a match. Um, So, if it's not a no-holds-barred match, if it's not a hardcore match or, um, you know, without any rules match, then bringing a weapon into the ring makes it a foreign object. But despite being punched and screaming foreign objects in the face, she must still have sex with him because he sends his dad a postcard to tell him that he's lost his virginity. He does. <laughs> to which his dad responds by <laughs> putting it on the fridge and shooting the fridge. Yeah. Within, we're then at the gym where Jimmy, Sean, um, Gordy and Sasha try to find Jimmy... Some backup. So someone to join his group. Uh, Goldberg is there and they try to recruit him. But he calls Jimmy a second-rate wrestler and a third-rate man who puked on him even though they were on the same team. Yeah. Um, And then Goldberg tells Jimmy King that he works alone. Yeah. Um... Apparently John Cena's in the background. But puking's for pussies. Yeah, exactly. Apparently John Cena is in the background. I was looking out for it. But... Yeah, it's as exciting as it gets. Um, <laughs> two wrestlers break into Sal's place and he wrestles them before asking, who's your daddy, bitch? Yeah, so Sal's watching some TV when, um, I think they called him Sid Vicious at the time. Sid Vicious and Perry Saturn, uh, they enter his apartment um, they go to grab him whilst he's watching TV, but that wily Sal, he knew what was happening, has replaced himself with a mannequin. Uh, he then jumps out from nowhere, starts beating them up, until Sid hits him with a chair that puts him in the hospital. Yeah. When he's in hospital, um, Sasha uh, makes a call whilst uh, Gordy is at the vending machine, and she calls Sinclair... And asks if she can go home before telling him she loves him. But Gordy hears it all. Yeah, so what What was she meant to be doing? Like, what was this... I, I have no how idea. How was this going to help their cause? It, it doesn't all? make any sense. Because you've, only, you've had... You've had them getting it on. She hasn't influenced him in any way. He hasn't changed anything because he slept with her apart no. from sending a postcard to his dad. You've had only two scenes in between, and then you get the big reveal that she was in on it the yeah. whole time. Like, what is this even meant to... You know, what is the point of this? Because she's a woman, and because women she, are evil. Yeah. 
Because, yeah. Apparently. Women are evil. Sal talks about his genitals and gives Jimmy some words of encouragement. He does. Gordy tells Sasha that she doesn't have a heart and they drive away as Cowboy by Kid Rock plays. No, it will not be making it onto the Horror Court Trash Over playlist. Why but not? My Own Worst Enemy by Lit Will. Yes, that should be on every playlist. Maybe um, Running With The Devil by Van Halen. Might make it on there. Um, so Sal's told them to skip town and to get back to basics. So um, Sean says, I know the perfect place. And they go back to Sean and Gordy's hometown. Yeah, but Jimmy visits Gina first and she kicks him in the balls twice. Yes. Uh, Jimmy apologises and said he's going to pay the debt and uh, get that bow and set things right. Yeah, Jimmy apologises to his son, but Jimmy's horror at the sight of his son's teeth leads to his son storming off. Ass crack, hanging out still. Uh, Jimmy vows to win the title and the $1 million and to make everything okay again. So they're back in Sean and Gordy's hometown and Gordy's dad comes to get him. Um, puts him in the back of the police car and yes. says, no touching other men from well, now on. He tells him, you're going to be a cop, mister. No skimpy outfits and no touching men. And compares him to Charles Manson because Charles Manson also followed his dreams. Yes. Yeah. And Michael Bolton. Yeah. Poor Michael Bolton. Like, What did he do to anyone? At home, Gordy is studying for his police test, but Jimmy and Sean turn up and tell him that they need him. Gordy tells them it's time for him to give up on all the childish childish wrestling and to give up on his dreams. Yes. Uh, Jimmy wrestles a bunch of people in a barn for his posse tryouts. Uh, What's the cover of We're Not Gonna Take It, please? Yeah. Pretty Kitty... Uh, shows up. Uh, she is in skimpy clothes. She's in a bikini. Well, she's shy furry, to begin with. Furry isn't bikini. She? Yeah, she's yeah. shy to begin she's with. She's shy to begin with, and then she takes her dress off, and suddenly she's fucking Catwoman or something. Yeah, and Jimmy can't hire her because, in his exact words, what's she going to do? Boob them to death. Because, yes, that is all women are there for. Women are just there to use their boobs, apparently. That's the only thing she'd bring useful to the posse. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, though. They actually do... Man, <laughs> she actually does appear with them at the show. Yeah, she? very much in the background, but, you know. Yes, of course. Uh, Sean has brought Wendy a Hard Rock Cafe t-shirt to apologise for not being nicer to her, and she takes him into the motorhome to give him a gift. No, no, no. He bought her a gift because she's not always been nice to him. Yeah, and he says she sh- he should have been nicer to her. Oh, does he actually yeah. say that? Yeah. Oh, that's a little out of character for this one. I know, yeah. Um, Gordy arrives just to apologise to Jimmy and then leaves. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then in a bizarre series of events, Sean and Wendy leave the motorhome naked uh, with just a blanket around them. And uh, Sean kisses her goodbye and leaves her outside with just a blanket. Doesn't bother giving her her clothes back. Whilst he runs back to the motorhome with his arse out. Yeah. So yeah, that's all women are for in this film. Yeah. To shag. 
Sinclair threatens to kill a wrestler uh, with face paint. You got a name for this one? Sting. Thank you. <laughs> wrestler with face paint. He's <laughs> got a little butterfly drawn on his face. Do you know, I think he looked like the crow, Gary. I, I thought he looked like... Is that someone... not your reference no, point? No, kiss at a push. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, behind the scenes at the show, Sinclair threatens to kill Sting if Jimmy wins. So Sting's gimmick at the time, um, you hadn't seen, uh, I haven't shown you a match with Sting uh, during this period, uh, but his gimmick was that he stayed up in the ceiling on the ra- in the rafters and uh, he was very much like the crow, it was very much based on the crow and he, he went goth because Sting used to be the sort of all-American bright coloured uh, wrestler. He always wore bright colours and had bright coloured face paint. And then he went dark and stayed up in the rafters and based his gimmick on, on the crow, essentially. Um, so, yeah, that is Sting, quite, quite a famous wrestler, Sting. <laughs> Some guy with face paint. <laughs> uh, Jimmy and Dallas enter the ring and the fight begins. Sean throws powder in uh, Diamond Dallas Page's face and informs him that a diamond upside down is a pussy. <laughs> yeah. You weren't mocking one when you were inside one not so long ago, were you, Sean? Um, so, yeah. Why so... are pussies a joke in this film as well? I know, just constantly. Pussy, 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 pussy. Um, so he throws, he throws the um, powder in Diamond Dallas Page's face and uh, DDP's like, you do know that doesn't actually work <laughs> because in wrestling there's, there's a lot there's a lot of matches that have been finished with like powder to the face because they they sort of act as if it's gotten in their eyes and they're disorientated um so that that's the joke there Jimmy's son enters the ring and teams up with other wrestlers to kick Jimmy on the ground yeah so Hubertude Guerrero and a masked wrestler appear from under the ring so, and the, the, the commentators call him the masked wrestler. Um, other wrestlers join and they beat up the king and the masked wrestler is revealed. So Jimmy pulls off the mask, um, which is big no-no in wrestling, um, but it's a film. And uh, it's Jimmy's son. Yes. And he's trying to get his revenge on his dad for leaving him all those years ago. But would he not want his dad to win so we can share out that million dollars? Exactly, exactly. Um, Goldberg joins to help Jimmy King. Um, Gordy, Gordy then appears dressed as a cop. He's uh, rides a motorbike down the ramp and through the cage, yeah. allowing Goldberg and uh, some other wrestlers to join. Uh, Goldberg, uh, <laughs> Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny because this is it's the only move I've actually seen David Arquette make. Um, David Arquette uh, spears or Gordy spears a wrestler, and it's Goldberg's um, one of his signature moves. So he compliments Gordy on his spear. <laughs> Sasha then joins the fray, and she wants to get back together with Gordy, uh, but she eventually gets hit by a ladder. Yeah, but uh, he tells her she's a spun around in the ring. She's a mean, mean lady, and she's hit by a ladder. Uh, Jimmy and 
Dallas Diamond Page make it to the third cage. Jimmy is pushed off and uh, <laughs> what I have down is the face paint wrestler kicks <laughs> Diamond off. Yeah, so Diamond Dallas Page knocks King off the cage. Um, so this this is a weird anomaly, um, is this three cage match. Um, so usually what you get is a cage match, which has an open top. A Hell in a Cell match, which has a closed top. Um, but the few... I, I don't know how many times this match has occurred. Um, I, th I think only sort of like two or three times. And it's all been into WCW. Where you have one cage. On top of that is a smaller cage. And on top of that is an even smaller cage. And the title's hanging at the top of this top cage. So it's really high really high up um that they have to climb um so yeah king gets knocked off uh but then sting appears and knocks ddp off the top cage um sting says jimmy king is fine by me and sean says we're men it's fine to like other men or something to that effect. He says, I love Jimmy King. You love Jimmy King. We're men. And we can say we love other men. I love you. Um, but that did not sit well with the wrestler because he punches Sean and Gordy in the face. Yeah. Jimmy wins the fight as predicted. Um, and, and I thought maybe we're going to have a moment where something gets in the way. But no, it's so predictable. He wins the fight. Um, yeah, he slams DDP through the three cages, which should kill him in, in reality. Yeah. Even, even in the rest of, you know, if anyone's seen the Mankind Undertaker Hell in a Cell match from King of the Ring 98, then you, you know that a fall from the top of a cage is pretty serious business. A fall from the top of three cages is probably going to kill you off. Yeah, Sinclair claims to have made wrestling, but Sean and Gordy throw him to the audience and claim they made wrestling. The fans made wrestling. Yeah, and Jimmy gives Sean the new name, Sean Sugar Daddy Dawkins. Yes. Why? That, that makes absolutely no fucking sense. Goldberg asks to be part of Jimmy King's tag team, um, but Jimmy King says he has a new tag team partner, and it's Gordy... And Sean will be their manager. Obviously. So, um, the cops are watching this, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and Gordy's dad, uh, I think he finally gives in. He's like, yeah, my son is tag team. Um, so that was easily resolved, that uh, plot line. Uh, then, we get, then we cut back at the convenience store and Goldberg throws the cashier through the glass door. Yeah. It says, that'll teach you to pick on kids. And uh, the shopkeeper says, I'm your bitch and you're my daddy. Yeah. And we get an awful cover of We Will Rock You. Um, <laughs> like it's even worse than the five version. Um, play It plays whilst Jimmy Goldberg, Sean and Gordy drive away with Sal in the back with two women in bikinis. And then, as if things couldn't get any worse, we get the lovely blooper reel uh, during the credits... Where we see a supercut of uh, Jimmy being kicked in the balls by Gina. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we see that clip of um, Oliver Platt accidentally punching Randy Savage. 
And that's ready to rumble. And that is ready to rumble. I'm certainly not ready to rumble or anything after that shit. Um, what surprises me is that was an hour and 46 minutes. Yeah. Um, that was far too long for that kind of film. Um... I, I genuinely What's don't have... What's your verdict? Well, I don't have a single nice thing to say about it. Uh, it's it's genuinely just shit. It's just absolute shit. Uh, you know, the director clearly thinks that if you get David Arquette to pull a bunch of stupid faces and scream every five minutes, then that's comedy. Yeah, I feel like he was going for Jimmy... Uh, Jimmy Carey? Jim Carey. Uh, but ended up being Adam Sandler... Um, I just, I just don't it, get it's it. It's the, it's, it's a film that really hasn't aged well. Like, really hasn't aged yeah. well. Um, it probably wasn't even that good back in the day. I appreciated, I appreciated the wrestling references when they occurred. Uh, there were one or two wrestling jokes, which were all right. You know, like I get it. Um, but other than that, it was really unfunny. Um, it really didn't paint wrestling in a good light or wrestling fans in a good light. It wasn't, I don't think it was a very positive, um, film in regards to, like, it, it, it was meant to celebrate wrestling fans you know, that bit at the end, we made wrestling, you know, wrestling is for the fans. We're the ones, you know, who have made it what it is. Um, and I agree with that, um, which is probably why no one was watching WCW at the time. Because <laughs> it was all shit like this. Um, so, yeah, it didn't sit very well. I've watched it now. I've got it out of my system. It's, it's there. Um, I remember some parts of it, but... Yeah, it weren't good. I'm glad I'd never have to watch that ever again in my entire life. <laughs> again, I, I'd have rather have done See No Evil. And I've seen that, and it, it is fucking trash. But it is still at least a little more entertaining than this shit. So, that is Ready to Rumble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no more to I would, If you're it. a wrestling fan, I would say you have to watch it. Because, oh my god! But because of what it is, don't act as if you do watch it. But Jesus. because of what it is, because of how it sort of re- represented WCW at the time, and how it, it in keeping with that David Arquette storyline, you know, we love a bit of trash on on this podcast. This is a shit film, but WCW at the time is actually quite entertaining trash. Looking back and and watching it. So, I'll, I'll quote you. I love trash, but I love trash that you can have fun with. Yeah. And I can forgive a film for many things, but I can't forgive a film for being boring. <laughs> yeah. And this was fucking boring. But yes, uh, so if you are listening on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, like a fun nothing else on Dead Act, Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and Gazcruz92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker 823 on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And we'll be back next week talking about 80s horror comedy spookies. Nice. Uh, and a bit about Vipco as well, because we have a Vipco documentary to watch for it also. Yeah, so that'd be interesting. Yeah, I know you're very big on Vipco. You've got a backstory Pure for Pure nostalgia. So, yeah, so we will be back and see you the same time, same place next week. Bye.